As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. God, this song is terrible. Really? Oh. <laughs> this song is bad. Yes, it is. Oh, it's got to be one of the worst songs they've played. What? I don't know, maybe. <laughs> Oh man! Dude, this is really, really bad. Kyle, you could, you clearly like the song. <laughs> no, you think I? Hey, hello, man. You take your pills today? No, I do not like this. And no offense to the singer, but it kind of sounds like total crap. Hmm. <laughs> Good morning, Sweet World, and welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Thursday, January 14th, back to the classic factory. I'm J.E. Skeets, rolling with the Bass Master, ribbon them lips, Trey Kirby. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. We got the international man of mystery, taking it to the max, Lee Ellis. Friend. Mmm, Lily, and last but not least, making all of this magic happen, JD. Hello. There he is, and here we are. JD working overtime. This guy's cashing big checks. <laughs> it's fantastic work, JD. Uh, shout out to the stream team joining us live on YouTube this morning. Uh, yeah, we were putting in work yesterday. Hit a big milestone. We eclipsed. 25,000 subscribers on our YouTube channel. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Please continue to like and comment and subscribe to our vids and to the channel. As promised for hitting 25K, later in this show, we're going to be dropping Big Beef Volume 1. Okay? Oh, yeah. I'm still not really sure what that means. <laughs> TK has a better idea, but we're going to drop that later in this show. Big Beef Volume 1 for hitting 25K. And our next goal, what is our next goal now? Is it just, do we just go, you know, 30K or do we we go way in the future for 50K, 100K? Uh, Where are we going? It's like a birthday. It's only now on the on the 10 year uh, or the 10, you know, number 10 milestone. So 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, etc. All right. Yeah. Okay. Sure. So 30 is, uh, is our next milestone to hit. So help us get there. Share the show. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Okay, email us your questions and your comments too to nodunksattheathletic.com. We actually stepped on the beach yesterday, and right near the end of that, uh, Murphy's slash No Dunks Law, <laughs> just as Lee was singing a slim, dusty-like country song, <laughs> the hardened news broke. I mean, it was wild. It actually happened right there. 
while we were wrapping up Beach Steppin'. So we quickly grabbed our towel, we dried off, and we recorded an emergency podcast reacting to the Harden trade. That's up on YouTube. That's in your podcast feed. Hopefully, you've already had a chance to listen or watch that. But I know that some of you who just listen to the No Dunks podcast, you might be a little confused. Where is Wednesday's Beach Steppin' podcast? It's on our YouTube channel, but it's not in the podcast feed. Good eye. Good catch. I know some of you were tweeting that in. That just got lost in the shuffle. I had to take a little back seat because of the Hard to Trade, the emergency podcast. But we're going to be dropping Wednesday's Beach Steppin' podcast in your podcast feed later today. So don't you worry. You will hear Lee Ellis sing a country song. I mean, it's incredible. And I think it was you, TK... In our Slack channel this morning, you know, we've got Big Beef Volume 1 for hitting 25K. If or when we hit 50K, I think we actually got to produce a music video of Lee's Slim Dusty-like country song. I think uh, that that seems fair, JD. I know it's more work for you, but uh, the 50K is a while away, so... Yeah, I, I'm always rewarded with more work, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah, the more I work, the the better I, I'm doing, apparently. Yeah, so. right. JD's only happy when he's miserable doing more work. That's it. That's all that's it is. Right. That's right. <laughs> Not actually wrong with that. Um, yeah, so thanks to everybody that joined us live or watched uh, our Heart and Emergency podcast on YouTube, too. I know it's the best we've done in terms of numbers, so thank you so much. Uh, finally, go grab yourself some sweet No Dunks merch at nodunks.com. Hoodies, t-shirts, mugs are available, and we're working on some new things right now. Okay, we're going to touch on a few of the games from last night, but let's do like a sort of James Harden trade fallout here. Now that we've had a little time to think about it some more, like I said, we got the emergency podcast, but now you've been able to step back, really think about it for all four teams, and maybe you've read some things or listened even to some other podcasts. We know that the Rockets finally traded Harden to the Nets on Wednesday. They secured a whopping four future first-round draft picks and four future pick swaps, all unprotected, uh, in a four-team deal that also included the Pacers and Cavs. So, again, highly recommend you listen or watch the Emergency Podcast. But a few questions for you guys here as we sort of wrap this up in a weird way. First one is, Trey, biggest winner, okay? I know you were pretty high on everybody, but if you had to pick maybe one, be it a team, a player, whatever angle you want, who's the biggest winner from this Harden blockbuster? Oh, yeah, I went Magic Johnson yesterday, Skeets. I love this trade (laughs) for all four teams. And really, I do think this, for a four-team trade that includes a legitimate superstar in his prime, that includes eight draft picks, you know, I mean, consider a swap what you want to call it, but it Mm -hmm. includes a whole bunch of assets for this massive of a trade, it's pretty fair all around. I put up a, the poll on our Twitter page, at NoDunksy, who won the trade. 25% to the Nets, 30% to the Rockets, 22% to the Pacers, 22% to the Cavs. It's wow. pretty fair. You even wow. go and read, like, Zach Harper's trade grades on The Athletic, and he is giving everybody's A's and B's. So this was incredible that this trade ended up so fair for all these teams. But if I'm picking an ultimate winner, I'm a lot like our voters on the No Dunks poll you got to be impressed with the Rockets. Their turnaround since October has been incredible, actually. It was a bummer end to the era with James Harden, with Daryl Morey, with Mike D'Antoni, that Rockets team that flamed out in the playoffs. They had no picks. Everybody on the team is as tall as I am. Harden and Westbrook, two guys who were all-stars, they both won out. Now we look three months later, they've got a competitive team. They've got motivated John Wall who wants the lead. Victor Oladipo is going to be playing in the biggest market he's been in, trying to reestablish his place in the NBA hierarchy. 
They've got a lot of guys playing to prove others wrong. The question is, can they unite around that, make the whole better than the sum of the parts? Only time will tell. Mm-hmm. But that's missing the mushrooms for the trees, Skeets. All the rocket stuff you see now, it doesn't matter at all. You got to dig deeper. They are still in rebuild mode. And that's why they chose this package from the Nets over Ben Simmons, because they needed to get those picks back. Because now the Rockets actually have a future. Picks, they don't win chips, but neither did the Rockets. They took massive swings at the title. They kept trying everything they could to try and topple the Warriors or LeBron's Lakers, whoever it would be. Mm -hmm. It came to a disastrous end, and that can really leave a franchise buried for years. Making trades like that, that where you're jeopardizing the future. People are worried about that happening with the Nets, obviously, now that they don't have picks. Instead, they've got a solid team. They've got picks they can use or trade, and there's a chance that the picks turn really good down the line, depending on how things go with the Nets. Obviously, uh, the Rockets are worse now than they were if they have James Harden playing at the peak of his powers, but they were a decaying team, and now you can see the seeds of life. Good stuff by Raphael Stone. Yeah, it feels like there's a lot of uh, A's, A-minuses, even some A-pluses for the Rockets in terms of uh, trading this grade and how they made out. Do you agree with Trey Lee? Like, the question is, did Houston get enough? I think that's one question. And then the other side is, would they have been better off going the Ben Simmons route instead of all these picks, you know, come 2027? Would you rather have a Ben Simmons less picks uh, moving forward? So what's your take on that? Well, no, I think they probably made the right decision because now they have got something to build towards with the future. And Ben Simmons was probably the best player they could have gotten in return, but they chose not to go with that path. And it was perhaps because the Sixers didn't have those extra draft assets that they were looking at. So I think, again, with the Houston Rockets, when their season ended last year there, uh, last season, it was like, man, what is the future for this team? Because they simply aren't a contender. They've got a big uh, clogged up cap sheet. And they have no future assets. And now all of that is basically gone. They've got some good talented players and they've got these draft picks now going forward. So this season, it's hard to see really what the ceiling is for the Rockets. I mean, John Wall has been okay. Boogie sort of struggled a little bit. I think there's probably still a move or two to be made there. I think PJ Tucker's probably not on this roster by the end of the season. So there could be still some movement there. But I think now Raphael Stone clearly has a blueprint for what he wants for this team uh, in the future. And I think that's really good. And whether or not Victor Oladipo is a part of that, we're going to find out, uh, you know, by the end of this season, of course, if Victor Oladipo is a star player at his age still, then they've got, you know, they've got some experienced players and then they can use these draft picks to either start rebuilding there or use them to perhaps try to make a trade and get another guy who's, uh, out, you know, on, on the way up as well. So there's certainly a lot of options and a bit more hope for the Rockets than what they had when last season ended because it was unfortunately... The same sort of story with them, you know, promising signs at, at, during the season at times, but come playoff time, they flamed out pretty easily. And uh, it was just, you just sort of felt that that was the end of the James Harden run there in Houston, really, because they had tried with Dwight Howard, they tried with Chris Paul, they tried with Russell Westbrook, and the result ultimately was the same, that they just weren't able to get to a championship and, uh, and compete for it. Now, they were very close, of course. We all talked about the Chris Paul hamstring injury in 2018, that was. Um, and, and, you know, that, that could have changed the entire narrative around not just James Harden, but Chris Paul and the Houston Rockets. But now, unfortunately, all we remember is that they flamed out in the playoffs, and that, that's the way it is. So James Harden gets a fresh start to, uh, to go to Brooklyn where he's automatically on a contending team. Mm-hmm. He has to sort of rehab not just his game, but his image a little bit because he's taken a bit of a battering here. But uh, No, this... lean into it, Harden. <laughs> Be the heel, baby. Well, I compared the Nets with now KD Kyrie and Harden last night to NWO. <laughs> well, listen. If, Lean if, into it, man. People love the heel. Listen, listen. You can you can take that path if you like, and if they win, sure. ultimately that's all that counts at the end of the day. Like James Harden won't care if they win the championship, but 
if this is if this situation can't motivate him, then there's really not much hope for him really sure. because he's playing with a, a former teammate. Again, we talked about there's only a few guys in the league that carry the status of a KD, and I think that's LeBron. I think Steph Curry to a degree. Mm-hmm. Kawhi, maybe I'm not so sure, but anyway. The point being that James Harden's going there and it's like, okay, there's no question here that Kevin Durant is the team leader mm-hmm. and I will have to adjust his game. Uh, you know, it's a good problem here for Steve Nash to have because you always want a lot of talent on your roster and they have that now, certainly offensively. And and now it's just up to them to try to make it all work. And it's going to be not just on the coach, but it's going to be on James Harden, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant to make it work. And, and I think they can. But, of course, we won't know until we actually see all those three out on the court, which we might not see for a while. Who knows when we're going to see those three together. But Yeah, yeah. Who knows? I mean, I saw Zach Lowe ask a simple question, Trey. Did Brooklyn improve their championship odds enough to justify mortgaging their future? And that's uh, just simply put, and I think the right way to come about it. Do you think they have in, in acquiring James Harden for this season and, and I guess, even next season because he is under contract? What do you think? I do think so. I said preseason, yep. whichever team trades for James Harden is going to win the title. Oh, I don't yeah. know if that's still going to be the case, but I still feel pretty confident because James Harden, when he's engaged, even if he's not giving it his all in his, on the defensive end, which is usually the case, the teams are awesome. We always worry about James Harden fitting in with other players, but for the past five seasons, the lowest his offensive has been is number seven in the league. Are you kidding me? He plays with high usage guys all the time, and the offenses are always great. They're going to have to figure out how to play defense. They've been actually okay so far this season. Obviously, that was with Jared Allen in the mix. They're going to need somebody to rebound. That seems to be the biggest issue to me with the Nets right now is that on the defensive glass, they can't necessarily end possessions unless DeAndre Jordan's getting busy. But considering we don't know what's going to be going on with Kyrie Irving uh, this season, uh, if he's going to be returning to the Nets, how engaged he is with the team, they have more than Kyrie Irving insurance. They added a player who is higher in the pecking order than Kyrie Irving. So, yeah, I mean, if you're looking at it as a, from a, a standpoint where they lost a bunch of their role players, no doubt about it, there's not as much depth in Brooklyn now. But mm-hmm. if you're looking at it as they lost one of their stars and now they added a bigger star, that's huge, man. I do think that they are they're at least there with the Bucks for best team in the Eastern Conference. We'll see how everything gels for those teams. The Bucks have been playing pretty well lately. Um, so... It's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be interesting to see how they actually look together on the court. And it's going to be interesting to see what kind of player Harden is. Is he going to be engaged on both ends of the ball, at least to try and rehab his image for half of a season, three quarters of a season? You would hope so. And if you're the Nets, you're desperately hoping so. Yeah. And in talking about the big winners from this blockbuster trade, I don't want to gloss over the two other teams involved because we were high on them on the emergency podcast. And most are the Pacers for, you know, just popping their head in here going, hey, what's going on? Oh, I'll take care of LeVert. You guys want Oladipo? He's not sticking around here. We know he's leaving. Yeah, we'll take LeVert and that great deal and sort of plug him into our system. And then the Cavs, in, uh, for giving up honestly nothing, get a really young, promising center. Now, yeah, they have 10 centers on their roster. They probably have some moves still to make. But Jared Allen fitting the timeline, Lee, of uh, the Sexland backcourt there makes a lot of sense. And Okoro, and uh, I, I love it. I love what the Pacers did. I love what the Cavs did. So I also want to give them sort of like a, a winner of this trade. I mean, a good grade. I think both of them would get an A in my books. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, usually in a trade, there's one team that kind of you feel gets screwed over, but it doesn't feel like that at all. I think I think the Cavs and the Pacers absolutely were like, yeah, we'll take those two young stars off the nets for giving up guys who basically aren't a part of our future here anyway. Uh, you know, the Oladipo situation had kind of played out. Uh, we weren't we weren't sure that that was 100% the case, but it certainly felt like that. And then for the Cavs, it's like, yeah, I, I wonder now what that next move is because 
I think it's probably Drummond and or Kevin Love. They're the most valuable assets they have. Mm -hmm. And I just don't think those guys are a part of the future, whereas I think Jared Allen probably is. Maybe it's Allen. Maybe he he has more appeal out there. Who knows? But uh, certainly things are also looking up now in Cleveland because it's been a a lean couple of years, as it tends to be when LeBron decides to leave. (laughs) Um, uh, But, you know, that backcourt, although they're both injured at the moment. We've got to get those back on the court, Colin Sexton and Darius Garland, because they got off to a good start. But, uh, yeah, so I think it's good. If you're the Cavs right now, you're going, wow, yesterday we didn't realize we were going to get a young player with a lot of upside there, a lot of potential to add to our core. So this is a great day for them. Yeah. In a weird way, LeBron helped the Cavaliers in this situation by embarrassing the Rockets in (laughs) back-to-back games, forcing Harden to go to that press conference pissed off and calling everybody out. And that was the end of it. I mean, literally the Lakers and LeBron broke up, (laughs) officially broke up uh, Harden and the Rockets with him moving on. Okay, let's get to... Biggest loser. Uh, we're, we're, you know, we're positive Pete's here with all of these teams. But come on, somebody's got to be a loser in the mix here. So Lee, get us started. Who is it? Team, player, whatever. Well, yeah, sifting through the rubble, you, you are sort of looking at one of the teams that was involved in the trade, but I'm actually going to not pick one of those teams. I'm going to go with Philadelphia because mm. yesterday they basically said to the league, we're choosing Joel Embiid over Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons, we are prepared to trade him for James Harden. And then it fell through. So where does this now leave that relationship between Simmons and Philadelphia because, okay, they didn't trade him yesterday, but clearly he's available if the if someone wants to make a push to try to get Ben Simmons. And I think that now is going to be a little bit tough because Ben Simmons is a sensitive guy. I know he's fallen out with Basketball Australia in the past. And now clearly the franchise has said, well, we're, you know, yeah, I mean, James Harden's a good player, of course, you know, so you're not, we're not just sort of trying to trade you away for anybody. Yeah. But we tried to trade you and it didn't work. So now it's kind of like, oh, we have to put that toothpaste back in the tube. And uh, I'm not so sure it's going to be too easy for them because it's it's basically they played a hand yesterday that I think they only really wanted to play if it was going to if they were going to go through with it. And now they didn't. So it's kind of like, oh, OK, so, you know, what does what does Ben Simmons say to Daryl Moore now? So am I on the trading block or am I off the trading block? Because I think the fact that they pre- were prepared to deal him yesterday means that they are considering shopping him around and that he is not necessarily a part of their long-term future. And uh, that that's, that can create a very awkward situation. Maybe they just, you know what, maybe Daryl Morris says, listen, it's a business. Yeah, we tried to trade you. It didn't happen. But that doesn't mean we are shopping you around. And Ben Simmons goes, okay, I, I can accept that. But I, I just sort of feel it's going to be a little bit awkward there in Philadelphia. Things got off to a really good start. Uh, they dropped a couple of games there. And then we saw Ben Simmons not play his best performance the other night when it certainly felt like something was going on with him. And now this is probably only going to make the situation a little bit more uh, hostile there. So so uh, are you saying that if uh, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are indeed living in the same apartment, in the same house, <laughs> they had bunk beds that Ben Simmons got up in the middle of the night, took his blanket, and he's like, I'm going to go sleep on the couch. Like, he just doesn't want to even be in the same room because it's a little awkward. Yeah. Is that your well, word? I mean, I don't, I don't think he's like angry at Joel Embiid. I, I just think, <laughs> no. you know, it's 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 that franchise. And, and of course, Daryl Morey is the, is the person there. And and. I remember now, I can't, you know, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, who knows, when Mark Stein said, you know, the Philadelphia 76ers aren't prepared to train Ben Simmons for now. You know, the Houston Rockets aren't prepared to trade James Harden to Philadelphia for now. Even just then, I guess that's when the conversation started going up because, sure. uh, you know, Mark Stein, one of the most connected guys in the business, I, I'm sure people were like, let's just wait and see how the season goes. Let's just see what the uh, market is like for James Harden. Let's see how Harden plays. Let's exactly. see Harden's attitude. Yeah. Exactly. And then yeah. the Sixers must have said, all right, let's make this deal. Uh, and then and then they fell through because it looked like that's what the deal was going to be yesterday until for the sure. Nets 
picked up and said, we'll give you all these future assets and yeah. some uh, young talent. So uh, I think the Sixers come out of this one uh, with a bit of a black eye. Okay, that's fair. And Trey, I mean, like you said in the preseason, I'm glad you reminded me, you said whoever trades for Harden is going to win the title. So is it fair to say that you think maybe the Sixers are a bit of a loser in this? If, you know, whatever they got caught up on giving, oh, we don't want to put Tyrese Maxey in the mix or Thibel or whatever it is, or so many picks, you know, is that fair to say that you would have them as a mini loser in this? I'm with Lee, 100%. Everything he said, plus now they've got to beat James Harden in the Eastern Conference. It's kind of a double whammy, right? Like the Sixers Mm. were... Perhaps behind the Nets coming into yesterday, uh, I guess that's debatable. You know, the Sixers have been playing really well, but we've seen the Nets look awesome when they were actually at full strength. So yeah. I guess that one's probably a toss-up. But now uh, the Six or the Nets won the James Harden sweepstake, so I think that the the Nets are certainly ahead of the Sixers, and the Sixers now have to deal with uh, the fallout of if there's any sort of lingering resentment with being in trade talks. I don't know if that's going to be the case. Only time will tell. But uh, it's shades of when uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers would not put J.J. Hickson in a trade for Amari Stoudemire. I understand you like your young players and you like to see the way that they're going to grow, but you got to give up something to get something good. And, And giving up Ben Simmons is a lot to begin with. Throwing in your young guys is even more to begin with. But if you're getting an MVP caliber player that vaults you to the top of the conference, some teams are interested in that and some teams aren't. We saw Daryl Morey say, okay, I want to slow play this here. Maybe we can pull off a a Bradley Beal trade in the future. Maybe they find a way to get Zach Levine out of Chicago alongside Ben Simmons. Who knows what it's going to be? There are still moves that the Sixers can make, but... As of right now, you know, the Sixers are behind the Nets for me. So, yeah, they're definitely a mini loser. Cliche warning, though. Sometimes the best trades are the ones you don't make. <laughs> hey. All right. It's true. It's true. The it's war- true. <laughs> Danny, yeah. Well, the Warriors come to mind with Clay Thompson, you know, not trading him, true. of course, to Kevin Love. I remember us talking about that at the time way back when. But, uh, yeah, I hear what you guys are saying with the Sixers. It's a great point, too, that you are going to, in theory, have to go through the Brooklyn Nets. And they did just add James Harden. Now... I think Daryl Morey's got, you know, a plan B and a plan C probably in play, Um, uh, you know, after they struck out, if you want to call it that, on Harden. And maybe it is Beal. And maybe it ends up working better for them. Uh, But, you know, right now, in this moment, I'm I'm with you guys. I think also a loser in this, I think it might be Kyrie Irving. Um, I know you guys are very, very high on what the Nets can do. They might score 150 points a game. Stopping people will be something else. But he is the one in the mix here, right? that is going to have to sacrifice. It's not going to be Durant. It's Durant's team. Harden's going to be Harden. Uh, you know, he can, he can, we, he's, he's not going to change. I think he's going to get back to the Harden of old and he's going to be scoring, you know, the 30 and the 15 and stuff like that. But Kyrie in this mix, if he's even there, because we don't really know what's going on and what his timeline is coming back to this team, always with these weird little super, steam, super teams, especially the three guys, someone has to sacrifice usually, Lee. It's usually a big guy. Sorry, Trey, I know you hate to hear that, but it's usually Chris Bosh, <laughs> Kevin true. Love. Those were the guys. Anti-big man bias runs wild. Yeah, yeah, and not only did they have to sacrifice, I would also argue they were very easily the scapegoats when things don't go smoothly right from the jump. Both of those guys, you know, raked for what they weren't doing or were doing or whatever, right? And, and unfairly in most instances. So... Will Kyrie be that guy in this mix here? If, you know, they start slowly, I think so. And that sucks for him, (laughs) Uh, I I would think. But 
I, I think in this weird setup here, I think he's going to be the one that has to sacrifice and will be made the scapegoat. I don't know if you agree with that, Lily. I, I honestly just don't know because I just don't know what to expect out of Kyrie Irving right now, whether or not he's coming back. He apparently is planning on coming back to the team mm-hmm. and uh, he's the point guard, you know, so is he? Is he? I, I, uh, I, he I think be on he this is. team, in my opinion, it'd be I, James Harden. But see, but see, I can't, I, I can't see James Harden coming to the team and Steve Nash saying, "Okay, James, you're the point guard from day one." Here, I think it's going to be like, "Okay, James, Kyrie's the point guard. Kevin's our offensive, uh, our first threat, and I need you to be playing off the ball at the start." I, I just, I think I can't I'm more s- comfortable with Kyrie, honestly, sort of. Yeah, but but having that ball. conversation though with Kyrie, oh yeah, saying, sure, you know, I mean, that's what I'm talking about. Well, I that's think what Steve- I said last night. Is anyone concerned about Kyrie being the third fiddle on a team? Yeah, well, and, be and, the second guy on a LeBron team. That maybe that is their long term hope there, or, or to later in the season. That's what Steve Nash and Sean Marks are doing. But I don't think that happens at the start. I think I think they try to appease Kyrie at the start and say, "Listen, we're not bumping you out. You're still our point guard. Let's let's fit James into that team first, rather mm-hmm. than fit you into." You know, you in behind James. I because I, I think that would cause. I can see a situation where Kyrie kind of pouts his way out, almost of Brooklyn, and saying, "Listen, this is my team." After Kevin, or does he even think it's Kevin Durant's team? That's the question well, there with Kyrie. Because how many superstars voluntarily move away from playing with LeBron James? Only one that I know of, and that's Kyrie Irving. He's like, I don't want to play with LeBron James, which is crazy because you look at a situation like Anthony Davis, who had seven rough years in New Orleans, and he was like, I'm desperate to play with a legitimate superstar. Well, right. now Kyrie, James, and Kevin Durant have two legit superstars on their team in their you know prime-ish areas there. So in theory, this should work perfectly because they should all sacrifice a little bit for the greater good. Right. They'll all still average you know, 20, 25 a game if they choose to, and they can all benefit from this relationship. But how much? who's prepared to put their ego to the side at the start? Who's prepared to be the guy like, you know what? Uh, fine, I'll, I'll, I'll adjust my game a little bit. I don't think Kevin Durant has to because he's the legit superstar. I think Kyrie and James Harden both have to find a little bit of middle ground there, but mm-hmm. both of them are kind of stubborn. So, you know, good luck, Steve Nash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, this is what makes this uh, fascinating. And and you said, like, the whole thing with, like, uh, okay, Harding comes in and he's got to work with Katie and Kyrie, but here's the funny part to that, the weird wrinkle. He's not there. It's very likely that we could see James Harden in a Nets uniform playing with KD before even Kyrie comes back. And then I think that makes even a weirder dynamic, Trey, because, you know, who's to say, uh, well, Harden and KD are, are, are kicking ass here together for a game or two, and then Kyrie's coming into the mix. Well, now we got to fold you in and worry about you. I don't know. I think it's uh, this whole thing, him being away from the team, makes already a potentially volatile, you know, uh, uh, um, setup here with these three guys even crazier. Uh, in terms of just the timeline of it all, I think. Oh, no doubt about it. There's volatile personalities in that locker room, but I'm kind of not even factoring Kyrie Irving into the scenario for the Nets right now. If he comes back, I think they're definitely going to have things to address. They're going to have massive uh, off-court things to address with Kyrie Irving, regardless of what happens. So for me, I'm looking at this team as Kevin Durant and James Harden, and that is enough in the Eastern Conference, I think, especially if they're able to do something on the buyout market, get a rebounder, maybe get another big guy. Who knows who they're going to be able to pick up uh, once, you know, random veterans have been released. Mm -hmm. Maybe they figure out a way to get Tyson Chandler's body working again and he can give him some minutes (laughs) banging around in there or something like that. But for me right now, I'm looking at this as Kevin Durant's team. James Harden is coming in to be the number two. And if they're able to add Kyrie and he's able to... uh, 
suffer a little ego death and play alongside uh, KD and James Harden, they're going to be unstoppable. They're going to yeah. be unstoppable. It's an all-star offense. team. <laughs> it's going to be an all-star team. And, I mean, Harden, for as much as he doesn't do when he's away from the ball, he's still an awesome catch-and-shoot shooter, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you're not just leaving him standing no. over there when no. KD and Kyrie are handling the ball. Uh, whenever they go for a small ball lineup, it's going to be fire. KD, yeah. Kyrie, like KD playing the five, rebounding, flying around out there. It's going to be a tough team to stop, and I'm, I cannot wait. There's news coming out now. James Harden going to be wearing number 13 for the Brooklyn Nets. Got it yeah. from Landry Shamit. People were like, is Landry Shamit going to give that up? Come on, y'all. That's what happens <laughs> in the NBA. I'm going to order one of those uh, tie-dye jerseys. Uh, I don't know. What do we got? About another hour here, so 60 minutes. Catch me on the NBA store. Wow, I'm sure you can buy them already for sure. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Yeah, we talked about this really briefly last night on the Emergency Podcast. If this situation with Kyrie wasn't happening right now, and let's just say he had played the entire season like with KD and KD didn't have to miss games. Like, does this trade happen with the Nets if Brooklyn is 10 and 3 instead of like going into last night's before the trade, you know, um, 6 and 6? I think that's interesting. Um, or because of what's happening with Kyrie and the unknown, are the Nets more inclined to like, well, we, geez, I mean, we, we got KD right now in his prime. Like, we can't waste this, so let's go all in. On Harden. I just wonder if that factored in here. And you're right about Brooklyn. Three open roster spots, mid-level exception, probably going to have a disabled player exception uh, from Dinwiddie's season-ending injury. So what will they do and how creative can they get to build out the roster? Which is still still fine. I think you're uh, asking a lot right now from DeAndre Jordan. I mean, you're asking for him to, to do things he can do and rebound and play some defense, so that's fallen off. Joe Harris, he slots in basically perfect with any team. I mean, he wanted a three-point shooter out there, give you a little D. And then his Shamit, Jeff Green, Bruce Brown, and TLC. That's basically your bench. Uh, it's up to you if you're going to put, you know, Chioza and Tyler Johnson in there as well. Is that deep enough, Lee? Or does it even matter? I mean, if the three superstars are, are clicking the way we think they could if they're all out there. It, I, it, like, I had a bet with Tass last night that the Nets will not win the Eastern Conference this season. And uh, Tass has taken it. And a lot of people are. Like, they think they're the best team. But, you know, we saw that with Steve Nash before on the cover with uh, Dwight Howard and Kobe Bryant. You know, things can turn sour quickly. <laughs> so it's like, you know, you build the super team, you do it in 2K and you win a championship. In real life, it works a little differently. So I'm still feeling pretty good about this bet. Because there are other good teams in the Eastern Conference, too. That could beat them in a, in a seven-game series. Yeah, Kevin Durant. It's Kevin Durant, basically. It's it's up to him, I think. He's just so talented and he's so good that who can stop him in the Eastern Conference? These other guys, uh, Kyrie and James Harden, do have a little bit of question marks around them, but Kevin Durant doesn't. You know, Once he's in the playoffs, once he's performing, he is a superstar who can just change the, the course of any game or any mm-hmm. series. The Milwaukee Bucks, probably, you know, just sort of thinking out loud here, 
probably still have the best team overall, probably, but they've also got some uh, some questions come playoff time, you know, and Kevin Durant doesn't have questions in the playoffs. He performs. He's a two-time finals MVP. He's been the best player on the court several times in the playoffs and in the finals. So mm-hmm. all those other things do sort of slot in behind Kevin Durant, you know, and, and so far, I mean, uh, well, I've seen a lot of Nets games this season and I just cannot believe how good he looks out on the court and how easily he's moving around coming off an Achilles injury, which is sometimes an injury that devastates a player and really does sort of shorten their career. Instead, it looks like he, you know what, he took a year off just to sort of uh, rest and refresh. And now he looks fantastic out there. So as long as Kevin Durant's on that roster, I I think the Nets are the toughest team probably to beat in the Eastern Conference. Again, there's some other good teams. Boston, we haven't seen Boston play for about three months, it feels like. They just uh, yeah, I haven't know. been playing. Somehow uh, the Celtics went to the top of the East standings without no, playing for no, a no. week. It was like, well, uh, all right. You know, and, and again, the Bucks, the Bucks are a proven team to to be great in the uh, regular season. Yeah. But they've got some questions in the playoffs. But uh, yeah, Kevin Durant, for me, just sort of elevates Brooklyn sort of to that, that, that uh, echelon where it's like, can you beat a Kevin Durant-led team? And not a lot of teams can do that. Biggest question you have about this entire deal, Trey. Do you think that this is going to go down as the Harden trade? We already have one Harden trade, and Mm. it was a game changer in the NBA. Trading from Oklahoma City Thunder to the Houston Rockets. The Thunder went to the the finals in 2012. James Harden was a key piece of that team. The next year, he was gone. The Rockets became contenders. Harden became an MVP caliber player. The Thunder started to fall off apart which led to the rise of the Kevin Durant Warriors that was a huge moment in NBA history we still talk about that nine-year-old trade to this day is this going to be the Harden trade though another he's now an MVP he's forming another super team we have a complete rebuilding project in the Houston Rockets and then yes we do have the Pacers and Cavs who hopped in on this deal did a great job to got what to get what they got but probably not huge in the grand scheme of things or is this going to go down in history as the Dwight Howard to the Lakers trade where we talked all about Dwight Howard and the Lakers and the Sixers getting Andrew Bynum back and probably the best deal that anybody got out of that was Nikola Vucevic going to the Magic and it (laughs) wasn't a game changer for uh, the NBA. (laughs) I kind of would lean towards the other side of it. I do think that this is going to be a trade we're talking about forever and ever and ever especially once we see what the Nets look like and how they perform these next couple of seasons. Yeah, I would lean towards that side too because, I mean, you go down one or two paths here with this Nets team. They either win a championship, which is definitely in play, this year, maybe even the next. Like, you know, who knows? Like, they're they're that good, guys in their prime. Or it's just a disaster, especially with these characters. I mean, and then we're like, what were they doing? Now they're they're back to being the Nets when they did the Pierce Garnett trade and their future is gone for the next, you know, six, seven, eight years. Like it could be, it's gonna be really probably one of those paths. Like I don't, I don't see like the Nets just, you know, winning 55 games for a couple of years here. And uh, you know, okay, they got close and stuff like, it will either be one extreme or the other, Lee. It really will. And again, I think that comes down to just going all in like this and, and the people involved in it, the, these alpha dogs involved. It's one or the other. And it has to be a title or bust, and that's why they're making this trade. But uh, I guess I lean towards it being positive. I guess. I guess. I, I'm cons- I, I'm a little concerned. I just don't see it this year because that just generally doesn't happen in the NBA. Yeah. Even you know a LeBron team, super team, isn't winning it in the first year. So maybe next year. But what do you think? Well, it's going to come down to what happens in the playoffs, uh, and because James Harden has played some very good playoff games, but he tends to finish series badly. 
But again, now he's in a situation where it's like, if he, if 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 he, if his team doesn't advance, there's other guys out there that it's like, you know, with with Kevin and Kyrie that you're like, okay, maybe the other team was just better than them, but it doesn't fall all on his shoulders. But perhaps it will too. Perhaps it will be like, ah, see, James Harden just can't win no matter who he's playing with. Right. You know, depending on how he performs in those playoff games, because we've seen him put up forty points in playoff games and be great, but we tend to see in those sort of late. Uh, games of playoff series he doesn't perform as well and he doesn't look as interested and he shoots two for 16 and he has eight turnovers and it just sort of flames out so now he's in a situation where some other guys can kind of uh, still advance the team and he can maybe hide without being necessarily the best player but he could also take some hits if he sort of stinks again in those late games you know what I mean like it's it, it sort of just depends on how his overall performance goes but if the team flames out, he could still catch a few blows from people because they're like, see, he just can't win no matter what in the playoffs. He's not a playoff performer. But he could yeah. also then go on and win the championship. And then it could be like, well, yeah, but it's because he had Kevin Durant on his team. So it, it's it, he's in a tough spot. He's in a tough spot. But, you know, he's... Uh, he's I'm not going to cry for James Harden. <laughs> no, exactly. No, I mean, but um, again, I think so much of this is down to, to Kyrie and James Harden basically saying, okay, this is the greatest chance we get to win a championship. I mean, Kyrie's already won one, of course, there with LeBron, but this is kind of what they both want, you know, other superstar talent around them, and there's no question that they've got that on paper. Mm-hmm. So in order to win, though, you have to perform on the court and you have to be prepared to be like, maybe maybe at the end of the game, because I can't see Kyrie, if Kyrie Irving's feeling it, we've seen him in the games he has played this season in that fourth quarter. When he's feeling it, he's shooting. He's going down. Yeah. He's going to take those shots, you know, and uh, and that's why I don't see him necessarily being like, I'll sit to the side and let James Harden have a turn tonight. If if uh, Kyrie feels it, he's going for it. And um, if it works, great. Everyone's yeah. happy. But if it doesn't, then you can see a, a combustible situation in that locker room. Yeah. Well, what's your uh, big question then surrounding this whole deal, Lee? Well, uh, I guess it comes down to Steve Nash. How does Steve Nash manage this? Because we've, we've talked about it a lot already here. Um, Steve Nash, if I'm him, I go to Kevin Durant and I say, listen, I'm going to need a little bit of help here with these guys because you, you, you've played with one of them and you've, you know, you've played a few games here with the other one. I'm going to need you to sort of help me manage their egos and, and have them understand the big picture here because Steve Nash is uh, respected as a player, no question. But as a coach, you know, he's starting out. And those sort of, you know, he's more, I would say, more a manager than a coach right now. He's, he doesn't need to tell these guys how to play. He needs to manage the personalities to make sure that no one's uh, no one's sitting on the sideline going, man, I can't believe that I'm not getting the shots. I used to be the guy. This used, I, I should be doing more than this. So I think that's when you have someone like Durant, you say, what do, what do you think? How do you think we approach James Harden? What was it like when you played with him? It was a million years ago, of course, in OKC, and he was coming off the bench, completely different role. But how would you approach this? You played with Steph, you played with Clay. You went into that situation that James Harden's kind of going into now where it's mm-hmm. like, you know, other guys have to sacrifice. Now, Steph Curry, I believe, did sacrifice, and so did Clay. But, you know, James Harden is the one now who has to be the one to, to be that guy who has to uh, adjust his game. So if Steve Nash can handle all that and get it right, then it's going to be a great result. But if, uh, you know, if, he, if he's trying to sort of get guys to, uh, to, to play into something and Steve Nash doesn't have maybe that sort of credibility as far as coach, although Mike D'Antoni's there, which should help, Dan mm-hmm. Tony and James Harden. I, th- I mean, their relationship was fine in the end, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's got those people around him, but it's 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 going to be tough because he's the head coach. So he's going to get all the questions. 
he's going to get all that the media attention is like you know oh what were you thinking here why did you do that did you bench this guy did you leave him on the court too long all those things so it's going to be tough for a first year coach to deal with all that Steve Nash is going to be having a lot of post-game beers and post-game <laughs> wine, <laughs> taken off the edge. Uh, he's already talking about that. I think it's going to get even more extreme. Um, the question I have, just a minor question, because I think you guys are knocking it out of the park, because the big question is, you know, the Nets and their championship or bus mentality here and how it all works. But I just tweeted it out before we jumped on here. I'm curious, especially as a Raptors fan, but other teams too, was Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster and the Raptors, you know, were they trying to, to uh, sneak into this deal too to get like a Jared Allen? We talked about the Raptors needing a center. You know, was there something there that could have happened and could they have made that work? Or other teams like what the Pacers did and the Cavs teams? I mean, I just, I love, I love, love, love to know, well, what were those other teams offering and trying to get in the mix? And even the Sixers, as we talked about, like what were they really willing to offer Simmons and who and how many picks? Um, so that, that's just a question for me because I love the Jaron Allen pickup. That's awesome. Just awesome. And I also love the Karis LeVert move by the Pacers just because they were going to lose Oladipo. Um, just as Hold we on. wrap this up here. Yeah, go ahead. I had one more minor question for yeah. you, Skeets, uh, regarding Karis LeVert. I think he's going to be an all-star now before Shea Gilgis-Alexander. <laughs> oh, no, no, 20 no, points no. per game up for grabs there in Indiana. Oh, yeah. It is. It is. Look, again, talked about it a little bit last night. I love it. I love LeVert. I've compared him to... Oladipo before Oladipo made his way to Indiana and was you know given the opportunity to really flourish and be a lead guy he turned into an all-star he turned into an all-NBA guy um I don't think Lavert is quite on Oladipo's level yet but I my point is I could see him growing into that I, I love it but no the answer is no it's Sabonis Sabonis is a lock I'm a big Brogdon fan too and I think they're gonna be I think they're gonna complement each other really well Lavert and him um but I think you know, if there was in some weird scenario where there are two Pacers getting all-star selections, I think Brogdon would still maybe even get the nod. But then again, you know, I can see Lavert hitting a game winner or two in an Indiana uniform um, and, and hitting some clutch shots. He showed he can do that uh, with the Nets. I, the Indiana Pacers are like the hipster pick right now for a lot of people out there. And this is missing TJ Warren, but Miles Turner is like, him and Boucher are like, their block percentage levels are like insane right now. They're blocking every shot. And then, of course, like we talked about, Sabonis and Brogdon just balling out. And now you've got Lavert. They're a good team. We got all the holidays, man. Nate Bjorkman, you know, <laughs> mixed it up, changed the way Bjork they play. Ball. Yeah, it's man, working. it's fun. It's fun. They are, they are like, uh, you know, people are already like salivating at the idea of like, oh, watch the Pacers like beat the Nets in a playoff series or yeah. something like that. Man, I, I could see it, I guess. Uh, a little revenge there for Lavert. But no, to answer your question, I know that was very long-winded. Not this year, and I'm loving Shea still. I'm all, I'm all in on SGA being an all-star. You know that. I'm going to win 100 bucks from Tass. I'm going to flip that around somehow with you, make some more money. Oh, I can see it all right now. Um, let's wrap this up, though. Lee, who's the next big name to be traded? Because that's what we do in the NBA. As soon as one of those dominoes falls, we move on to the next one. Who is it? You look at player power, and you look at what Anthony Davis did in New Orleans. He was there for a while, and he had enough, and he decided to force his way out, and he got his wish. James Harden got his wish out of Houston after eight seasons there. Bradley Beal yesterday tweeted just, wow, capital letters. He's in his ninth season in Washington, having a great individual season, but they are 13th in the Eastern Conference. Does Bradley Is Bradley Beal just at the point where, yeah, what am I doing? You know, what am I doing here? This franchise hasn't done anything really. Uh, like, uh, and, and look, Beal, he averaged 30 a game last year. He's averaging 34 a game. I, I think he is much better 
than just a guy who's putting up numbers on a bad team. I think there's a, a much better role for him out there. I just wonder if he starts to think like, yeah, all right, it's time for me to sort of uh, flex my muscles a little bit here and uh, and try to move to a better situation. Because again, man, I mean, if the how can the Wizards be having a, a season? I think it's only the Raptors. Uh, who is it? Let me got the standings right here. It's the uh, Pistons and the Raptors are below them, and that's it in the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. And now I mean, it sounds like Westbrook could be out for uh, yeah. weeks with this quad injury. Yeah. It's not getting yeah. any better. So I, I just sort of think if Beal is looking around in season nine, just going like, I, oh my God, I'm, I'm going to be in a battle here just to make the play-in tournament, it looks like. So uh, maybe it's time for him to just say, yeah, I, I, I need to go somewhere else too. Um, I think I think the Wizards are probably like, yeah, look at the haul that people are getting out there. Maybe that's what we need as well. Maybe mm-hmm. get that young player, get a few draft picks, and let's start again because uh, clearly they're not moving in the right direction in Washington. And I think it'd probably be good for both of them to move on and uh, and start fresh and give Beal a chance to go for, play for another team. Okay, Bradley Beal, it's a that's an obvious pick, and I could see it happening. It all really just comes down to Beal, right? <laughs> Whether he would want to force their hand. Uh, that's what it comes yeah. down to with these guys. It's like, yeah, nothing's happening here. I don't see a future. Trade me. Just go get a bunch of picks and get some young guys back because I want to go try and win a championship or at least go deep in the playoffs. Who do you have, uh, Trey? Do you have Beal or do somebody else? I think Andre Drummond is the next guy that's going to be on the move. He's actually been really good for the Cavs. He's been really good for the internet, coming up with these whoopsies time after time. <laughs> and he's definitely upped his trade value last year. He was oh, traded yeah. for literally a bag of beans last year. John Henson. John <laughs> Henson. Could wow. you maybe pry a first-round pick for Andre Drummond? Maybe a team like the Raptors is interested. Mm. I kind of want to find a way to get him to the Golden State Warriors. I was like Lee Ellis hitting that trade machine last night. Time is a flat circle. Andrew Wiggins returning to Cleveland oh my for Andre Drummond. <laughs> oh boy, I don't Jared know. Allen is going to be the center there. He's going to be a, he's a restricted free agent. Yeah. They're going to want to sign him to a deal alongside the Sexland backcourt, alongside Isaac Okoro. And like I said, Drummond has been good. So uh, he's 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 helped the development, I think, of both of their guards as well. Just playing with a solid pick and roll guy, somebody who's going to actually be able to guard the rim. And let's not forget, the Lakers are dominating right now. They are barely trailing in these games they're playing. LeBron is in flip-flops by the end of every single game, and they've got two guys who just eat inside when it comes playoff time. The Warriors don't have that. Could they talk themselves into wanting a guy like Andre Drummond, somebody, a big guy just to throw out there to, to bang with Anthony Davis, to be at the rim when LeBron is feasting inside? Big guys were all the rage over the offseason, and we've been talking a lot about perimeter guys with this trade. I think there's uh, an opportunity for some bigs to be hopping out of Cleveland that could actually help some teams. Yeah, that's a good pick. I have that in my notes as well. I'll also pick a team that was involved here that could move a guy. Maybe not a star anymore, but can the Rockets find a taker for Eric Gordon's contract? Mm-hmm. Um, remember him? Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's actually a decent player when he's healthy and playing. That's a bit of a problem when it comes to Eric Gordon. But yeah, it's a big contract. They're, they're obviously... Looking towards the future here. We still think they're going to be decent, but I could see somebody talking to themselves and thinking, hey, Eric Gordon has like uh, our third best player on this roster, fourth best player. Yeah, sure. Sure, we can try and make a deal. Now you got to get make the money work. So that's the, the dif- difficult part, but I think so, he's a guy to watch. Um, but it would help if he's, you know, he's out there getting some minutes in and getting trade, ump- upping his trade value a little bit like the Cavs are doing with Drummond. That'll help the chances. Let's hear from you guys, though, with all of those questions. Winners, losers, big cues about it. And, uh, of course, just who do you think is going to be 
the next big name traded because that's all we do here in the NBA. JD, what's up, man? Are you jumping on to say hi? Uh, no, I, that was an accident. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing here. I thought JD was JD gonna... had like a hot take. Yeah, about this exactly. Yeah. Nope, nope. Just enjoying the show. Carry all right. on. <laughs> all right. Um, well, let's briefly touch on some of the games last night. Obviously, it went pretty long there on the Harden trade fallout. But three games, one thing. Because we had three more games postponed on Wednesday night. Uh, they did still manage to play seven games in the NBA. So, Leon, I'm just going to pick three of the games uh, from last night, and we'll just quickly touch on these. I think this one's interesting because I think it went under the radar a little bit with what was going on with Harden, but the donk, Luka Doncic, he scored 34 as the Mavericks beat the Hornets in Kristaps Porzingis' return. Again, this is the, uh, whoa, that was out of sort of left field. I know he was expecting to come back, but here he is. So what was your big takeaway from the Mavs getting another victory, their fourth in a row? Yeah, it did take a little bit of time to get into the games last night, just sort of uh, after oh, the totally. big emotional day of Harden. It was kind of like, it was 8, eight o'clock, and I'm like, oh man, games have started already. So I went back to check in, and uh, yeah, it was Chris Stapps Porzingis. He played 21 minutes, took 16 shots for the Mavericks. Looked pretty good out there. Looked yeah. pretty good. Um, hit some threes. Defensively, uh, look, he changed quite a few shots, and I mean, that's a big thing for the Mavericks. They need someone who can play defense. He's not a great defender, but he's a big body. He's a long body. He's got those arms. And uh, that's what's really important. Now, he was on a minutes restriction, and he sort of talked about it after the game, joking around, sort of saying, like, he was a bit uh, anxious just to sort of do as much as he could because he knew he wasn't going to be out there all game. But uh, so far, early early returns there for the Mavericks have got to be pretty happy because I don't think the Mavericks can go very far unless they're at full strength. I mean, like every team, of course, you need your best players out there. Uh, As great as Doncic is, I just sort of feel, particularly uh, in that Western Conference, that the Mavericks have a ceiling of about the sort of second round without their full, full strength. So getting Puzingas back now, I'm interested to see how much he's going to play this season. Will he play back-to-backs? Will they get him uh, out there and and off that minutes restriction as soon as possible? Because uh, offensively, no problems at all here with the Mavericks. Just a few questions defensively. And uh, yeah, so good win. Good uh, revenge victory for the uh, Mavericks over the Hornets. The Hornets punked them down in Dallas earlier in the season. So funny little moment there. Luka Doncic had a layup, a wide open layup. He should have dunked it and he didn't. And his teammates on the bench started ripping him for it. So uh, got a bit of an old man game already, I think, Luka Doncic. You know, he doesn't yeah. go down and throw down the windmill or anything like that. But his, uh, his teammates wanted to see a dunk. So pretty good night for the Mavericks overall. Yeah, Luka, 34-13 boards, 9 assists. Career high, 4 blocks. And uh, you said you're not worried about their offense, Lee, with the Mavericks. Fair. They had the best offense in, what, NBA Ever? history yeah. last year? Here's the crazy part with the Mavs this year. And I think this is going underreported right now. I don't know what's going on. i got to do a deeper dive. But... The Mavs have the second best defense in the league right now. And this was without Porzingis. Mm. Is it just because teams are missing against them? I mean, like, I'm, 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 I got to, again, look into this. They're shooting 44% from the floor opponents are against the Mavs and only 31% from distance versus them. Now, doesn't gonna, feel like that. I know. It doesn't feel like that. I know. Well. Second best defense in the league. Pairing mm. that with right now what is an, you know, a, a league-wide average offense, that's good. But that, that bodes well for the Mavericks. Um, but... Is it just a case of like teams missing shots they would normally make? I, I don't know. I mean, maybe Mavericks fans out there can let me know a little bit more. But I like to see what Luca did defensively last night. I mean, four blocks is four blocks, and he was all over the place defensively. So you pair that with that offense, you know, and you can start seeing uh, them going a little deeper, I think, Lily, because that's a great start for them. All right. Anything to add about uh, Porzingis' return there, Trey? Not too much. People are targeting the Mavs as a potential Andre Drummond 
location. Yeah. And I think that's a little bit interesting because the Mavericks are definitely at their best, I think, when Kristaps Porzingis is playing the five, but he's also super skinny and has missed a ton of time in his career. So perhaps it's not a bad idea to bring in a guy like Andre Drummond to take the bumps for the entirety of the regular season. And then <laughs> when it's clutch time, you play Porzingis at the five. I don't know if that's the smartest thing. That would probably cost you quite a few assets to bring in Andre Drummond, but I can see the idea of saving Porzingis' body for when you really need him because he is instrumental to their success. They need that guy who takes them to another level, and he's the only guy on the, the roster right now. Drummond wouldn't be that guy, but I think it would help save Porzingis a little. So who knows? The Mavericks are always a team that seems to be at least in the mix trying to acquire people. We'll see if they actually pull it off. Right, and KP, he started last night alongside Willie Cauley-Stein. Mm-hmm. So they went with the Twin Towers there, at least to start that game. That's interesting about Drummond. And Lee, I can't, I can't believe you didn't bring up your Aussie. He had a great game. Uh, Josh Green. Yeah, he had a yeah. very solid Greeny. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Greeny, yeah. yeah. Please, call him by his real name. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, yeah. so Only one for four from the free throw line, though, for Greeny. So, oh, yeah. that, yes. <laughs> he actually sucks that. Uh, all right, our next game. Giannis, triple-double, lifts the Bucks over the Pistons, 110-101. Trey, big takeaway outside of the Bucks and the Pistons just play every oh. second night. What is going on? Yeah, sucks for the Pistons. They've already had to play the Bucks three times in the first 10 games of the season. Tough break for the Pistons, but don't get it twisted. This was not a close or exciting game. It was nine points, but not really that close. The no. Bucks got up 20 early. They were in command all game. At one point, Milwaukee had made more threes than the Pistons had made shots, period. This is straight up a bone throw right here. It was all about the Nets yesterday, how they might be the favorites in the Eastern Conference, what it's going to be like when they play the Lakers in the finals. Don't forget about the Bucs. Three in a row. They've won six of seven. They've got the best offense in the league right now. Just as weird as Dallas having the second best (laughs) offense or second best defense in the league. Part of that is because they're shooting 41% on threes. That's not going to stick around for the entire season. You know, that 29 three-point performance they had against the Miami Heat is still obviously affecting their season-long percentages, but it's been cream city for Milwaukee. They're smacking teams. They won by nine last night. That's their closest win of the season. They got the best point differential in the league. The Bucks are still good. Giannis is still good. It's just easy to sleep on them because we've seen the same team basically for three state seasons. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, we've talked about it. Like, it's tough to get too too excited about the Bucks until we just get to the playoffs and we see their matchup and whether or not they can figure out uh, that team they got to get by. Who's going to zero in on Giannis and they're going to play them differently? And will Drew Holiday, you know, get them over the hump uh, and take them the next level? But yeah, regular season Bucks. They just crush teams. They just take care of business. Yeah, they're back. Uh, Quick trivia question, Lee. How many triple doubles does Giannis have in his career now? 20? Ding, ding, ding. He's got Uh, 20, exactly. (laughs) Well done, mate. Well done. I thought, do you think that's high or low? I actually thought that was... Uh, Triple doubles these days. I know, but I actually thought it was high. I was like, damn, he's got Um, 20 triple doubles already. Yeah, I I mean, I I think he sort of banked a lot last year. He seemed to just be getting a lot last year. But yeah, actually, probably low when you think about it, really. Low? Wow. Yeah, I mean, just because he just piles up so many stats, you know. Um, Well, I mean, yeah, the points is never going to be an issue. The rebounds is never going to be an issue. But the assists, 10 assists, still 10 assists. I know he gets a lot of them. When the team's shooting 41% from three, I mean, you can rack up a good four or five assists by giving it to a shooter for sure. So, yeah. All right. 20 uh, triple doubles there for for Giannis. Okay, final game. Lillard had 40 as the Blazers tied a team record. You want to talk about threes for threes to beat the Kings 132-126. Blazers are down huge in this game, down 20. Uh, that doesn't matter in today's NBA. They were down going into the fourth, though. They were down five, but they rallied. 
um, to beat the Kings. They hit 23 three-pointers. So lights out. Lillard and McCollum, both six each. Then you had like Covington hitting a bunch. Gary Trent hit a couple. Just an awesome, whoa-boy-like game from Lillard. 40 points, 13 assists without a turnover. And then McCollum, the 28, 10, and 7. I thought Nurk played really well in this. Still, they're giving up 126 points uh, to the Kings. This this Blazers defense isn't as impressive as I think some of us, myself included, thought it might be um, at the start of the season heading into it when they made that move for Covington and got Derek Jones Jr. and you got Nurk back. You're thinking, oh, yeah, okay. Could be some defensive identity here, then to pair with your scorers in Lillard and McCollum, and it just hasn't really gotten there yet. So that's a little bit of a worry. But they got the victory. They're a weird. I think what are their what's their record? You had the standings up. Are they seven, seven and four? And four? Yeah. yeah, it's like it, they it feel they feel lucky to be seven and four. I guess uh, it feels like they're almost like a I don't know why it feels like they're more like four and seven to me. But they got the dubs, and man, two point game, 30, second, 30 seconds left. The Kings needed to stop. Obviously, they're trailing by two. De'Aaron Fox is on Damian Lillard. All right, good luck with that. But Fox is quick. Man, Dame used a little, like a sick little hesitation yeah. up top. Oh, you, you know what I'm talking about, Lee? Yep, I do. And just exploded to the rim. I mean, Fox stays with them and tries, tries to block them, but Lillard just sneaks it up under him. With that little hesitation, oh, it's so nasty. You watch it in slow-mo and it looks fast. Yeah. Um, so it was incredible. Good game for the, the Blazers duo. Uh, up, you know, 68 and... 23 assists. Yeah, speaking of that duo, I mean, is this the year CJ makes the all-star team? I mean, 28 points a game on 47% shooting from two, 44% from three-point range. You know, four rebounds, five assists, whatever. But he certainly feels like he's taken a step up in his game this year. Yeah, you know what? Yes, put me me down as a yes. He's helped by a guy like Harden leaving the conference. Um, it's just where the Blazers get to. That's the other thing. I think Lillard's the default uh, sort of all-star so will 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 he be able to sneak in there? But if they keep winning, I think absolutely. Yeah. But the good thing about uh, CJ is calling himself a shark out there because he just knows how to eat, and he does. He does. He just when he gets the ball and he's like, I'm just going to cook this defender, and uh, he's a fun guy to watch because he's got quite a bit in his bag, as the kids say. And uh, you always have to add that part when you say he's got a lot in his. <laughs> Don't bag. worry, man. Mark Jones like... says it all the <laughs> yeah. time. That guy's bringing up a bag every time somebody scores a basket, and he's I have old to... too. Mark Jones is adding him and Doug Christie actually a fun listen on that oh, yeah. uh, Kings broadcast. I, I really like the chemistry of those two. Same, um, you know, the, the Kings had uh, who was it? Uh, Jerry Reynolds and uh, the other Napier. guy, for, yeah, forever. Yeah, it's so good to get some fresh voices in there. Doug Christie's uh, he's a fun listen. I didn't wasn't a fan at the start. But he's, uh, I've turned on him a little bit. He's uh, turned around on him, I guess, a little bit. Uh, I love how they uh, do the thing. They'll share clips online where they put the cameras like right on them on the broadcast. So then when there's a big Kings play, you get the reaction oh, yeah. of those guys. Like yeah, uh, Fox yeah. had that big dunk down the lane where he screamed the other night. And then there's yeah. a clip of Doug Christie and Mark Jones both standing up and getting into it. I love that move. It's like... Yeah. Uh, uh, Moro Ronaldo, uh, when he like, does the call when he used to do like the NXT calls. I don't know if he still does that. And they put the camera on him. Oh, I love watching those. Yeah, they've been great. Uh, there have been a couple of legendary Christie calls. I feel like already this yeah. season, like you're saying, Skeets on that on the Fox dunk. I think his line was, "That's a bag, a body bag," <laughs> which was hilarious. Line. Last <laughs> night, Tyrese Halliburton had some sort of like he had a look off, and then he shot a little floater. They're showing the slow mo replay. And Doug Christie hit us with, he's giving you the rhythm. 
and the blues. It's Tyrese. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, nice one, baby boy. Yeah, baby boy, for sure. Oh, my goodness. All right, so uh, a good win there by the Blazers. Yeah, uh, you know, a little too many points given up, but uh, in the end, they got the victory. Poor Kings. Uh, that's really it. We'll move on. I know there were some other games. I'm sorry I won't get to some of your teams, but uh, don't worry. The NBA never stops. Okay, Lee, talk to me about mushroom coffee, mate. Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Let's get to Tweet of the Night. Mmm. Tweet of the Night. Wow. Twitter. Lily, you got Tweet of the Night duties here. What do you got? Yeah, so uh, this is actually an Instagram direct message of the night because uh, a couple of nights ago, uh, I was looking at my Instagram. I I was looking at my Instagram and uh, I got a little message from um, a name that I recognized, but I was surprised to see because there's a lot of uh, parody accounts out there. And this one came in from former uh, two-time world heavyweight boxing champion, Riddick Bowe. No, it didn't. It did. And Bo just said, uh, he said, get at me. So I got at him and he said, uh, Riddick Bowe said, what's good partner? Bo." So I responded. I thought, why not? It's a verified account. I thought, okay, this must be the real Riddick Bo. So I said, hey, what's up, RB? Bo versus Holyfield round 10 was one of the greatest boxing greatest rounds in boxing history. Riddick Bo replied, my guy, thanks so much. Just rolling with the punches, trying to do what it do. What about you, partner? Bo. Bo. Ducking and weaving with the best of them. Oh, my I'm God. <laughs> oh, my God. You were so weird. I'm just trying to survive another round of this crazy thing we caught tonight. Riddick Bo replied. <laughs> Riddick Bo replied. Ain't that the truth? That's what's up, partner. You're doing pretty good for yourself. What you'll be working on? Bo. So I thought... There's still some love here. I said, I'm doing a daily NBA podcast. Want to join us for a pod one day? We can talk basketball and boxing. He liked that and he said, ain't that something? I like you, man. You're good in my books. You know what? You should all you should hit up my guy, JF. Follow. He may got some business for you. He big time. He and Mark Cuban, they do big NBA. He family. Tell him Bo sent you. Let's do this damn thing. Bo. <laughs> So, so, uh, so, so, join us tomorrow when Riddick Bo swings by. Listen, if Riddick Bo wants to come on the pod uh, and talk a little boxing, because uh, you guys remember out in Vegas at Summer League, one of the cameramen out there, oh, yeah. uh, me and him used to talk boxing. I used to be a big boxing guy. No, 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 no. You two did not talk boxing. He talked boxing and you just sat there eating your salad going, uh-huh. No, 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 no. Because I used to be a big boxing fan. And that, that fight, that uh, heavyweight fight between uh, Evander Holyfield and Riddick yes. Bowe is one of the greatest fights of all time. It goes the distance. And Riddick Bowe wins. And you look at round 10. Like, uh, Riddick Bowe comes out and basically knocks out 
Evander Holyfield, and you think, okay, the fight's over. Then Evander Holyfield starts throwing haymakers back. It's just incredible. And they even sort of give each other a little hug, a little dap up after that round right. of, uh, of an incredible fight. And then the, what's even better, what I remember, after the fight, Lennox Lewis, who was also a challenger at the time, was on the commentary team or something, Riddick Bow tries to fight him right. after the fight. Like, he gets into it. He's like, let's fight. Let's get it on. Let's have it right now. And it's 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 a really tense, awesome moment there because Lennox Lewis is just kind of like, I mean, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna knock you out. And Riddick Bow's like, all right, let's do it, man. And uh, and then you, it's like, if it wasn't so many people there, they almost would have thrown down right then and there. It's an, it's an awesome moment. Great fight. So, uh, yeah, maybe we're going to have Riddick Bow on the show one day soon. <laughs> <laughs> Just ducking and weaving Pop these crazy punches called life. <laughs> yeah, how much longer could you have gone working boxing references into it? <laughs> I mean, I, I had a few of it over here. <laughs> oh, yeah. I had a few ready. You know, like, I ain't ready to throw in the towel yet, partner. But uh... <laughs> You're a 10 in my books, partner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, what a what a the what a wild ride! Right out of the media. gate, you called him RB. Straight I mean, to RB. He hit me with a "what up, partner," and I'm like, yeah, "All right, no, we're buds, man. We're buds." A lot of partners <laughs> being thrown around. A lot of tipping of the cowboy hat to each other. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too good. You are the international man for a reason. What are you doing? What are you doing on your phone, uh, Roxy? Asked you. I'm just talking to Riddick Bo. <laughs> yeah, just chatting with Bo, my partner. I mean, the thing is, you know, like because there are so many parody accounts. When you see the little verified symbol, and you, you know, you scroll through, you're like, oh, it looks good, man. If Riddick Bo wants to chat, I'm always up to chatting with Riddick Bo. Any of those heavyweights, Lennox Lewis. Mike Tyson, let's get him on the show. It'd be sure. great. Yeah, the, the real question in all of this is, why is Riddick Bo reaching out to you to talk? Listen, we've got a big audience. Maybe Riddick Bo just sits there. Maybe he's watching right now. Riddick, if you're on there, man, listen. Hey, maybe. Yeah, give us right. your email address and we get JD to hook you up and you can come join us on the show right now. Sure. <laughs> let's do it live. Let's go 10 rounds right now. I'm ready. I'm refreshed. Give me some water here. Oh, man. <sighs> Amazing. Um, so much for tweet of the night, IG DM of the night though. Uh, maybe we might have to make this its own segment. Great stuff, Lily. All right, pick them results from last night. Whoa, this might be our closest result yet. I think here in the season, it was the Nets Knicks game. The Nets were favored by six and a half, so they had to win by seven. The Knicks just had to lose by six or less, and they would have got the victory. But the Nets win by seven. I think it was a couple free throws there late that put them over the top so if you had brooklyn winning by six and a half you won congrats to trey and lee you guys picked up a w you guys are six and eight now tass and i had the knicks Ooh, tough tough loss we fall to seven and seven so we're very close here one game separating everybody you don't want to be last place in pick them because you got to do something weird you got to fight riddick bow <laughs> yeah <laughs> fair tough. that's a Done. tough one this month <laughs> step into the ring with riddick bow uh, while wearing a cowboy hat. So let's get at it, partner. Um, but tonight's Pick'em game is uh, its a weird one. Uh, Tass threw this one at us. It is strange, and he wanted us to note, and we should, it's the Heat Sixers game. Philly favored by 11 and a half. 11 and a half. What the heck? Heat, very likely, without Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Goran Dragic, Kendrick Nunn, among others. Um, so it's going to be like this uh, like eight-man Heat roster who put up a fight the other night so can philly win by 12 or more what do you think lily uh, yeah. 
tough. There's a few unknowns there. That that line's just a little too big. I, I think uh, the Heat have got enough that uh, they can at least keep it. What, 11 and a half? Yeah, I think they can keep yeah. it within 11 points, even though it looked like uh, it was going to be a blowout the other night. Went to overtime in the end, in fact. Yeah, so Joel Embiid, you know, if he, if he decides to go out and go big early on, then maybe the Sixers can blow this out. But I, I think I've got enough faith in the Heat to keep it within, uh, within double digits anyway. Okay, Trey? That's a big old chunk of cheese right there to, for the Sixers to cover, but I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take the Sixers. I think they're going to be a little bit more fired up for this game because they had Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid playing against the Heat, whose best player on the night was Tyler Hero. They also got a nice performance from Gabe Vincent. If he's playing for the Heat tonight, that's good news. Uh, but I think that uh, the Sixers will come out with a little bit more fire in their bellies for this one. Give me Philly. I'm with Philly, too. I think that line is there to try and scare you away or go on the heat. I think Philly win big, big, big time in this one. So I'll go with Trey. I'll take Philly to win by 12 or more. Let's hear from Tess. Well, I'm taking the heat. This is still a grimy bunch like last season when they went to the finals. They are going to fight and scrap. I don't think they can lose by a dozen. They didn't even lose by a dozen the other night when Philadelphia got 45 from Joel Embiid. Give me the heats. All right. Two of us with the Heat, two of us with the Sixers. Let's go quickly to Riddick Bow and see what he thinks for tonight's <laughs> Riddick, are you there? You're not there yet? Okay. Um, so good luck to everybody. Five games on, I think, tonight. As of now, uh, nothing postponed tonight. I know there's some on Friday that are postponed, but Heat Sixers, Hornets Raps, Rockets Spurs, that one on TNT, followed by the Warriors and Nuggets on TNT. That's a... Uh, that's a little interesting. And Pacers Blazers is uh, another nightcap, so that should be good. We'll be back tomorrow to break those down. But, of course, before we go, as promised, we hit 25,000 subs on YouTube. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So, I guess as a thank you to you, here's Big Beef Volume 1. Yeah. DeMontis Sabonis had 22 rebounds against the Phoenix Suns. That's a lot of roast beef. Andre Drummond grabbed 24 rebounds against the Milwaukee Bucks. That's even more roast beef. No dunks. We love roast beef, which is rebounds. There it is. Thank Rebound so- highlights. <laughs> Thank you so much to Nate Duncan for yeah, that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that's too good. So, yeah, you're eating roast beef when you get over 20 boards. Is that right? I, I think that makes sense. Is that sort of the, the number you have in mind, TK? Yeah, it's a pretty, it's an elite rebounding number. Once you get past 20 rebounds, that's a lot of roast beef. (laughs) So anytime we hit 20, anytime there's a a couple of players who hit 20, maybe we'll drop a big beef here and there. Yeah, I love it. So there you go. Thank you for 25,000 subscribers on YouTube. Oh, baby. And as we said, if we hit 50K, Lee Ellis is going to release a music video to his hit new country song, which you can hear later today on the Beach Steppin' Podcast, which we recorded yesterday before the Harden deal. We're going to release this afternoon. You can also go and listen and watch that right now on YouTube if you want to. But Lee, man, 
You wrote a banger there. <laughs> Shout out to Slim Dusty. Rest in peace. What I wonder song. if uh, we can coerce uh, Matt Austin to play the guitar for that one, and oh, I'll, uh, ooh. you know, I'll, I'll I think sing we along. We can get Riddick Bow in the music video at this point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it just shows up at the uh, end, yeah. partner. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's call it there. Check out Tass's "What You Need to Know." in your podcast feed on our YouTube channel if you haven't already. As I said, the Beach Steppin' Podcast, we'll drop that in your feed a little bit later today. It's a lot of fun. It might be a little weird at first to hear us like getting excited about a potential hardened trade coming early on and then reacting when it happens right at the end, but there are some really great questions you guys sent in and we had a lot of laughs within that. So go and listen to that. Go get your No Dunks merch, nodunks.com. Subscribe to The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com slash nodunks. We'll call it there. We'll be back tomorrow on a Friday with the Drop Podcast. JD, my man. Yeah, we're real quick. Uh, I know we're running late, but uh, the stream team was going a little bit crazy for the orange that is floating in, uh, front, yeah. of, uh, <laughs> in front of Trey. So uh, I, mi- I whipped something up to make it look a little less weird. yes trey's like uh you know the sleeve what do you call that on your microphone um it's a windsock windsock. yeah Yeah. windsock thank you looking like an orange i thought it looked like an egg when we first jumped on earlier but i could see an orange for sure and uh, now jd for anyone listening has put a pineapple for jd is that from the gold coast i believe it is (laughs) better believe it yeah, uh, I've got the apple and Lee, of course. He's got his banana. Go to G- go to Lee. Oh, I guess you can you go to Lee just on I a banana? Can. Or... Hold on, hold on, hold on. Because uh... I was going to say, I'd like to see him take a big chomp out of that. <laughs> uh, oh, there you go, Lee. <laughs> oh, what? Ooh, smell them first. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted you to take a big chomp right in the middle. Take a big chomp. <laughs> there you go. Hey, all you podcast listeners, see what you're missing here on the YouTube? All right, shout out to the stream team. Great work, JD. Clipper Bro. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, RBs are rebounds, roast beef, and Riddick Bow. <laughs> Embrace the day, people. You could stay.